This is Internet Governance Explained. We are Christine Lacroix and Christa Ohlenholz. Today we will talk about the importance of individual cybersecurity in the field of Internet Governance. Our guest today is Noah Schlegel. He is currently a master's student of psychology in IT at the TU Darmstadt and has programmed a selection of so-called privacy-friendly apps. First of all, thank you for joining us today, Mr. Schlegel. To jump right into the topic, there are three different domains of cybersecurity. First of all, the national security, which is mostly concerned with governance security. Then second, we have the technical security, for example, the security of online platforms. And the third dimension can be seen as the individual security. But why is data security or individual security so important for users in general? Or why should users concern them themselves with data security? Intuitively, many people have an idea that it's important to manage who knows what about them. For example, if you go to the toilet, you most likely will close the doors because that's how you're uh, used to it. And if someone is telling a secret you told them in confidence, you're getting angry also. But digital information management is much more abstract and most people don't apply the same rules or intuitions about this. So basically it's the same principle because even if people say they have nothing to hide, which is a very typical statement, in reality they do want to hide some information about them because it's an inherent right which is even manifested in the Grundgesetz as the Informationsfreiheitsgesetz in Germany. And that's something worth thinking about because basically we just let companies collect data from us use it however they like, and then make their conclusions or just create profiles and big collections of knowledge about us, we are giving up some of our freedom. Some people don't mind or they think they don't mind, but a lot of people have realized that it's something they don't want, especially since it can be dangerous in the future. If a currently peaceful government collects data on its citizens and doesn't abuse it, but later turns authoritarian, as it has happened before, this previously collected data can have severe consequences. If the government has collected a lot of data about its citizens, it knows most likely all the people that are critic of itself. That's something problematic for a non-democratic state. So you just mentioned authoritarian state and the collection of data in authoritarian states, that it's problematic. But why could the collection of data be also problematic maybe in more democratic states such as Germany, for example? Well, one important point is that being watched changes people's behavior and mind. The concept is very nicely illustrated by a visual example, um, the panopticon. It's um, basically a big prison where every cell can or basically could be watched all the time from the center of the prison. You never know if you're being watched right now. This is suppressing the urge to revolt or do something wrong. In an abstract way, this is what happens when people get under surveillance. They know they're under surveillance, so they will behave differently. This is a really important psychological concept 
which will change people even if they don't do something wrong. Because everyone behaves different when they're being watched. This takes away a big part of our freedom. This is another reason why the constant data collection of German citizens by the state is being challenged by the Bundesgerichtshof again and again. And still the Vorratsdatenspeicherung is continuing. But it's not just because it's too big of an impact on basic rights of the German citizens. So maybe we can say that if people are being watched or have a feeling of being watched, that they not express what they truly think. Exactly. That can be a consequence of that. Even in non-authoritarian states, this can actually already happen because you don't behave the same way. This is something that most people are probably not aware of. So it's really important that people protect themselves and their data because it could have an impact on the way they want to express themselves or feel secure to speak their mind. If a few years ago you programmed an app that focused on data protection education, can you tell us something more about it? Sure, yeah. It was in university where we developed this Android app as a team. We are so made a study with it to check how people's behavior is influenced by their knowledge about this topic. Because this study was done in the general context of the privacy paradox, which basically is a term for the difference between intention and actual behavior when it comes to privacy. Since many people are willing to be less data sharing and want to contain some of their privacy, but when it comes to the practical implications, they often don't follow through. This is declared by the privacy paradox. We wanted to research if missing knowledge is part of this cycle and phenomenon. What was the name and the function of the app you programmed? The name of the app was Foxit, which is uh, just a wordplay on fix, it meaning your privacy, and uh, a fox because we were using a fox for playful interaction <laughs> with the users. People could do lessons about privacy-related topics, for example, general importance of privacy, or they could also learn about concrete methods to improve their data, for example, in Google or Facebook uh, settings. When they were done with it, they could also unlock some gamification features like foxy animations and even some features that allowed them to change something on the phone And is the lack of knowledge a reason for that phenomenon? Well, at least we found that people who engaged with this app and took a lot of the lectures which we provided did follow through with their actions more than the group of people who didn't read much of the content. So one could interpret it as uh, knowledge being the factor here. But of course, there's other explanations For example, being more engaged in the app also be meaning having a higher motivation to care about the topic at all. I'm not so certain to say our app was already sufficient to bring more privacy-related behavior, but it certainly didn't get in the way of that. I think it was a cool project because it was aimed at people who were interested, but not 
technically experienced and it made privacy a bit more accessible. In the same way, I'm still developing apps at a research group, which are called privacy-friendly apps, which in principle do the same because many apps that we use on our smartphones often have more access to the data than they need for the functionality. We try to fix that, at least for a small subset of apps, which we only use the permissions and data access that's needed for the functionality. Also, don't collect any data. Everything that's needed is basically kept by the user's phone. And this is another way of bringing privacy enabling features to the people, I guess. So would you say that an app can function and can look good and has a really good user experience and is privacy friendly? Well, in principle, that's not a problem at all. But of course, our apps are not as flashy as some of the commercial products, which then get their money from data collection. So if there's enough money to develop them without collecting the data, then I guess that's no problem at all. But at some points, it's obviously an incentive to collect data and make money. And then you can produce, I guess, a better use of interface as well immediately. The data collection or cybersecurity is mostly regulated through governments or the platform themselves. But there are institutions such as the Chaos Computer Club or the German institution Netzpolitik which are also very interested or, or concerned with cybersecurity and data collection. But why are those institutions so important for this aspect? In an optimal world, I guess we wouldn't need those because the government would already take care of everything and normal journalists would also report about these things. But since the topic of privacy and data security can be a bit technical and boring for some people, it's important that we have specialists that pick those new regulations apart and provide information for the general population because it is a difficult and complicated topic. They also uncovered a lot of information we wouldn't have without them. I think it's very important that we have people who still won't use those methods for their personal gain but for information of the public. I think we really owe it to them that the topic of data security and privacy has become so large in the last years because many people didn't care about it at all a couple of years ago. I see those institutions are very important advocates for the individual cybersecurity. Maybe as a tip at the end, what softwares should users use if they want to stay safe on the internet? What can you recommend? Well, if it's about common software like a browser, or a messenger, it's really important that they are end-to-end -end encrypted, first and foremost, which, for example, already excludes Telegram. I think that most messengers and other software which transmits your data over the internet is already aware of that, and they incorporated encryption almost all of the time. But another important fact is that you trust the developer because not only can people gain knowledge about your data by having your data in clear text, 
so what would be solved by encryption but also metadata is very very important and uh, powerful to build profiles and especially um, communication and networking profiles about users so when you say whatsapp for example uses end-to-end encryption which is kind of problematic by the way because they still store your key on the servers on top of that they also have to comply to the patriarch act which gives the nsa the right to access data when they need it basically it's important that you trust the manufacturer of the software because they can collect metadata about who communicates with whom when this is also very powerful as a former cia had said they kill on metadata because it's already enough for them to justify a lot of things so really if you don't trusting facebook you shouldn't use whatsapp because they will collect metadata about you if you're really concerned about someone not knowing about all your doings and your connections then it's better to trust in something like signal for example because signal is financed by a non-profit charity they will not collect your data because they don't need to and they don't want to signal has one drawback for privacy concerns which is you need a phone number to register but at the same time it makes it easier to find your contacts um, there are other options for messengers for example streamer wire even Jabba, which would be in privacy regards the best option because it's decentralized because you're not relying on one company or one organization to uh, provide you with your service and software but it's fairly technical for everyday users for browsers it's a very similar topic because sure you can use chrome or you could use brave or opera or whatever they all work but if you don't trust google then don't use chrome they will collect data because that's their business model personally i would recommend firefox because mozilla is a non-profit organization they only develop the browser because they are interested in a more privacy friendly web thank you for your time and your interesting insights how to protect your individual data my pleasure thanks for having me this was internet governance explained thanks for listening You can find us on all the main podcast platforms.